You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Yeah, thanks for being here. And uh, we're going to do Psalm 106. And um, I'm excited. I hope that you are too. Uh, Just in our discussion group, I think that there was some good uh, discussion around the main points that we were hoping to touch on today. So I hope that uh, you guys enjoy what we talk through today and it it enhances and gives you some reminders um, as well. So I'm going to get back on some script now. So first we'll talk about um, just kind of a roadmap of what we're going to talk about, right? So uh, first I'll kind of give an overview of like context. What does this uh, psalm say and who wrote it? Then after that, we can talk about like, what does it mean? Then after that, we'll get into the text. We can talk through like some application points. We'll do like an illustration or two, uh, talk about how to use uh, the text and the tools, and then some final thoughts. Then be done. How's that sound? Great. Okay. Um, so uh, here we go. So um, like we talked about in our discussion groups today, uh, a lot of talk about um, reminders and the importance of reminders and um in our summary sentence, so establishing reminders of God's goodness and reasons to praise him will help us to choose a response of trust rather than unbelief when we face difficult circumstances. Um, so in this psalm, we'll see repeatedly how um, the nation of Israel uh, did not remember uh, God's goodness and the reasons to praise him, and they respond in unbelief um, rather than in trust. And so although we're prone to forget uh, the foundational truth of God's goodness uh, never changes. So that's going to, that sums up basically um, what we're going to talk about today. I was talking to Alex on the phone last night, and he even kind of gave a summary of this summary. And it was like, when you remember, you're obedient. When you forget, you're disobedient. So um, my hope is that you walk away from this psalm with something in your mind uh, that will help you to remain obedient when you face circumstances that are difficult. So let's jump in. So um, on your notes, we're going to talk through uh, verse 1 through 5 first. So praise God in all seasons. So what we're, what we're looking at here in this psalm, um, it was probably written by David. Um, so there's not like a consensus of who wrote this, uh, probably written by David though, because it is quoted um, in First Chronicles 16 after they bring the, the ark uh, back to Jerusalem. So that's kind of the, the thought of why uh, we think it's written by him. But the audience is a group of, uh, from Israel who's maybe been uh, dispersed or exiled in some way that's getting back together, and then they are engaging in uh, a time of national uh, confession and repentance. Um, so that's what's going on in this, uh, in this psalm. So um, you have kind of like a present tense and a past tense, right? You have this group that's been brought together, and they are confessing their sin and repenting, and they're looking back at the behavior of Israel in the past. So praise the Lord in all seasons. So um, whether you have been obedient this week, whether you have been disobedient this week, uh, whether you feel like things are going well, whether you feel like um, you are being disobedient, praising the Lord in all seasons. So these, these first five verses are how this group has reflected back upon their past, and they're looking at, um, here's what we basically should have done. Here's how we should have reacted. Here's what we've learned from our past behavior. And so um, they're praising the Lord and are seeking to be obedient to him now. The reasons to praise the Lord. So in uh, verses 1 through 5, we have uh, five reasons to praise the Lord. We talked about some of that in our discussion group together. We're praising the Lord for 
aspects of his character, not necessarily for what he has done, um, and we can praise God for what he has done, but um, in these verses, we are praising God for who he is and for his, his character. So uh, in your first uh, blank there, he's good and his steadfast love endures forever. So that's verse um, number one. So first they're praising God and they're giving thanks to him because he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So again, whether we are rebellious towards God or we're obedient to him, um, his steadfast love uh, endures forever for us. One of the commentators talked about because man ceases not to be sinful, um, it's a great blessing that that God never ceases to be merciful to us, right? So that's one reason that we have uh, to praise him for his character. That's a piece of his character that we can praise him for. Um, his greatness is unutterable. So God as a subject is infinite. So uh, we can't exhaust or we can't... Um, we will never exhaust reasons to place, praise him. And so our efforts to grow uh, in deeper understanding of him, they'll ne- they're never complete. And so uh, when we uh, are going to praise God for his character, we can look to have a bigger view of God um, to help combat our self-centeredness. So pieces of scripture like Job 38, uh, Psalm 103, um, Isaiah 40, and Ephesians 3, these are places where we can go if we are uh, battling self-centeredness or if we're focusing on ourselves and we're um, prone to do that. I know that I am prone to do that. That's why I know these, <laughs> these scriptures well. So um, a bigger view of God helps us to uh, praise him for his character of being unutterable. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord, or who can declare all of his praise? Uh, verse number three, um, his ways produce happiness. When we get into all of these stories and when we get into recounting the the failures that uh, Israel or the sinfulness of Israel in the wilderness and in Egypt and um, in Canaan, we're seeing that they are responding in rebellion to not having what they want. They're looking for happiness in in their provision or the type of food they have or in their safety or their comfort. Right. Um, what we see in this verse is that just being obedient to God, He's given us the way um, He tells us how to live, and when we live in those ways those ways produce happiness. So when we're obedient to him, um, that produces contentment and happiness um, in our lives. So um, emotions follow action. Um, When we respond to God, whether we feel like it or not, in obedience, the the happiness and the contentment in our life will follow. Um, And then here in verse 3, the blessed, blessed are they that observe justice and who do right at all times. When you are um, responding to God uh, in obedience, you're in right relationship with God, and that's going to produce happiness in your life. Ridding life of disobedience, it's going to remove the sorrow that's associated with sin. And then again, um, all of this being done through an attitude of praise, not um, an attitude of obligation or an attitude of, of works, but um, an attitude of praise and worship and obedience to God. Um, so his people are eternally prosperous. Verse 4, to be called God's people is reason enough to, to praise him. Um, so, again, a, a theme of what we'll see when we um, begin to look at the, the choices and the behavior of Israel is that they are not content to just be called um, God's people. Um, this is something that they have um, found after re- reflecting back over their behavior that that to be called his people is reason for, pra- for praise, period. So one of the commentators wrote, this feeling would prevent our wishes to escape trial or persecution persecution or chastisement. To be called one of God's people is reason 
to praise him. He is faithful to his people, um, and his people are eternally prosperous. Here we go. Uh, Verse 5. So his people are eternally prosperous. So he comes to us, he makes us his people, and we rejoice in our eternal place with him. So when we are praising God for his character, uh, we find happiness and contentment in our place in eternity with him. So like we studied in John 14, Jesus is preparing a place for us. Uh, We have an eternal place with him. We will spend eternity with him. And that um, fact uh, is is reason for us to praise him and find our happiness in that that, uh, place with him. Cool. So God has not created me necessarily to be a public speaker, uh, but I think one of my gifts that he has created me to have is just like a an ability to think strategically and an ability to take concepts and information and put it into a, like a visual, right? That's easy to understand. Um, this is the this is something that um, came to mind as I'm as I'm reflecting and studying this passage. So this thing here is called OODA loop. I don't know if anybody's ever read this thing or seen this thing, uh, but observe, orient, decide, and act. And so the OODA loop is something that was created like in a military context. And so on the battlefield, the the side that can orient themselves, that can observe and orient themselves, that can decide and act most quickly and most often will win. So, um, and this is something we use at work all the time. So we talk every day with our project teams so that we can um, understand the latest information and orient ourselves and decide and act based on like the most current truth that exists for that day. I'm reminded of this thing after reading through verses one through five, because in Egypt, in the wilderness, in Canaan, the, the nation of Israel is observing, orienting, deciding, and acting constantly. We have like up to eight different instances of their, uh, their choices and their behaviors on how to act. What I wanted to put together and show you guys today is this reminder that has stuck with me and that will help and that has helped me um, when I'm facing situations, when I'm facing circumstances that might not be great, but I can have these truths that come from verse one through five at the center of my, my decisions. My observation of a situation is filtered through these truths, um, how I'm orienting myself and how I'm deciding and acting based on these first five verses of, of scripture. So um, we have five different reasons to praise him, and you have those in your, in your notes. And then um, some truths and some um, implications that we can draw from those first five are, are here in the center here. So questions that you can ask yourself in a circumstance are, am I giving to God or am I returning to him my affections and my services right now? Am I finding happiness in his ways alone? Am I finding my happiness in my salvation as being a part of his people? And am I finding happiness in my place in eternity with him? So those four or five things alone um, can be a foundational truth for our happiness. And then they can help us to properly and um, obediently and, and in truth observe our current circumstances and orient ourselves around the truth of them and then decide on how to act so that we can respond um, and remember these truths in verses one through five as we face circumstances, as we decide on and how to act. Verses six and seven um, are kind of a a transition point, um, and they kick off all of this, um, 
all of these um, reflections and confessions of Israel. So I'm going to read uh, verse 6 and 7. So, both we and our fathers have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works, and they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled at the sea, at the Red Sea. So at this point, I thought what we could do, there's a lot of sermons out there that took this in a lot of different ways. Some of them um, focused on, you know, how does this align with America, and should America be in a national repentance? I didn't really want to go that way. That was um, fine, but not really what God was putting on my heart. Um, there were some other, there were some people that just kind of like read through it and said, huh, don't do that. Um, but I thought what we could do was to um, look at what was confessed, what was forgotten, what was God's response. And then um, as you're, as we're looking through these, um, just remember, so confession is a proper response to sin. Uh, so this group now that's uh, assembled, they're practicing obedience. They're taking a look at where they have been and where they want to go forward. And they're uh, deciding that they now do not want to be doing the same things that their forefathers have done, but now they want to actually repent. They want to um, confess their sin, and um, they're beginning to live out the things that they've pulled out of verses 1 through 5. So um, we'll go through these eight things, and we'll talk about some application at the end. Okay, so um, the final blank here, respond to God's, re- respond to circumstances in light of the foundational truth of God's goodness. So you'll see it says Psalm 106, 6 through 46 there. So if you want to take some notes on what we're going to talk about, maybe you could flip it over. You could write some of the scripture references if you want to do that. But uh, this, this blank here um, is really encompassing here what um, what this group is doing. They're responding in light of the foundational truth of God's goodness. Verses 6 through 12. Um, so this is um, an account from Exodus 14, verses 10 through 31. And so this is where uh, the Lord has brought the people out of Egypt. They've been there in slavery for about 400 years, um, and, and he's had all the plagues. He has um, freed his people, and now they are uh, going to the Red Sea. So the response of the people when they see uh, the Egyptian army coming after them, uh, they respond by saying, uh, what are we doing out here? We would rather be in slavery. Uh, we wish that we were uh, back there. And we, why did you bring us out here to die, Moses? Um, so they're confessing this failure um, kind of in that present tense group. They're confessing this uh, rebellion and this unbelief in God. Um, so what was forgotten? His power. That's good. Um, also, I think that um, they are even forgetting that they are being led by God. They're sort of complaining to Moses, why did you lead us out here, Moses? Um, they're forgetting that they're, that they're God's people. They are scared to die, almost. They are saying, why are we going to be led out here into the desert to die? They are not finding just happiness and contentment in being God's people and in their place in eternity with him. And uh, they have been obedient up to this point to follow him, but now they are they're responding in disobedience. So how does God respond? And um, we see that here in verses 10 through 12. Uh, so he saved them from the hand of the, the mighty foe, and he redeemed them from the power of the enemy, and the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. And then they believed his words, and they sang his praises. So um, he responds by making his name great. 
So uh, the next one, uh, so this is verses uh, 13 through 15. So uh, this is the, um, the wanton uh, craving in the wilderness. So in one of the commentaries I read, I think that this is three days after the Red Sea. So they've just seen um, this uh, mighty act of God. They've seen the Red Sea split apart. They've walked through dry land. Uh, they get out into uh, the wilderness, and then um, what do they do? They decide that they want some meat now. They don't like manna anymore. Uh, and they start to uh, complain and grumble uh, because they don't have the right type of food. So in our discussion groups, we talked about um, themes. Uh, so one of the themes that if you go back and read these, um, you'll see that they want water, that they want food, that they're distrusting their leadership. So there's, there's those themes that are, that are happening each and every time. So they're complaining about the type of provision that they're receiving. And then um, God's response, he responds with this uh, giant, Sw- uh, not swarm of quails. Is it a swarm of quails? Flock of quails. A flock of quails come, and um, there's so many quails that they can't even pick it up and eat it all. He gives them what they ask for, but then there's a plague that leads to many deaths after that. Um, so then uh, this is verses 16 through 18, and this comes from number 16. So um, this is where Korah, he has like, he has overseen, overemphasized a truth that's in Leviticus 19.2. So it talks about how the people shall be holy because God is holy. And he's just wondering, why do we have only certain people who can approach God? I want to approach God and I want to um, serve in the temple, whereas God has called specific people to do that. So Korah's complaining and wanting to do something, wanting um, a, a privilege of the priesthood. Um, and then that leads them to begin to um, accuse Moses and um, to to call into question his leadership. So they are forgetting. Um, again, they're forgetting and they're not having um, contentment in just being in God's people. They're not having contentment in um, being obedient to his ways. They're going against the way that he's taught them to worship. Um, and they're, they're not finding their happiness and their place in his eternity. And they're also not returning their best in affections and services to him. Um, so God's response, there, God's response there is that Korah, Dathan, Eribam, uh, and 250 others that are with them attempting to go directly to God, uh, the ground opens up, they're swallowed up into the ground, and then fire comes and um, gets rid of the 250 people who are trying to make sacrifices to the Lord there. A few more uh, we'll, we'll talk through. So the next one is uh, verses 19 through 23. So in this account, we have um, uh, an account from Exodus 32, uh, 1 through 14. So this is the golden calf. So the people of Israel, they want um, a God that, that, that they can actually see. They want a God that will go before them. Um, and so they're, they're looking back to Egypt, and they're saying their gods, they had things that they could actually see. Where is our God, and where is Moses? We we need something that we can see, that we can um, that we can worship and bow down to. <clears throat> and so they demand for um, Aaron to make them uh, a representation of their God. Again, they are wanting more than they've um, than they've been given, and they are um, again prone to to worshiping um, idols. A couple more. So uh, verses twenty four through twenty seven. Uh, despising the promised land. So here, this is from Numbers 13 and 14. Um, The men send spies into the land of Canaan. 
Uh, the spies give a bad report um, that the land is unconquerable. Um, the people want to choose a new leader, and they want to go back to Egypt. So they think it would be better to die as a slave than to die in freedom. Um, God's response there is that only Caleb and Joshua then are of that group are allowed to go to the promised land. Next, 28 through 30 is um, <clears throat> the, the worship of Baal. So um, in Numbers 25, so the chapters right before they begin to, to worship this false god, you have um, a couple of different chapters of Balaam's blessings on Israel. So you have this really great picture of their future. And then immediately after that, like while that's going on, you have the Israelites offering sacrifices to Baal and bowing down to, bowing down to it. And so uh, they're forgetting, <clears throat> again, they're not making their, their choices based on these foundational truths. And um, a plague comes uh, upon those people as well. Um, a couple more, one more from Numbers uh, chapter 20, t- 2 through 13. So this is the waters of Meribah. Um, so the, again, the people are complaining about um, not having enough water to drink. Um, they are um, complaining about, or they're saying that things were better in captivity. We wish we could get back to um, Egypt. Moses himself um, gets so frustrated with them. He doesn't listen to all of the instructions of God. Uh, he strikes the rock with a staff instead of just speaking to it. And um, then at this point, Moses loses his ability to go into the promised land um, as well. And so finally, te- uh, verses 34 to 46. So this is really a, it's a good just summary of the book of Judges. So you have um, Israel worshiping other gods. You have God giving the people of Israel over to other, um, other peoples, people, people coming and plundering their land. And then um, they would complain. They would call out to the Lord. The Lord would raise up a judge, and he would deliver the people through the judge. And then, again, the people would follow the Lord again. Then the judge would die, and then the people would um, get back into that same cycle over and over. So that takes us through all of these different um, examples of, of their past uh, sinfulness, and it's all the confession that um, Israel is making um, to the Lord at this point. When we look at this, uh, this reminder of God's foundational truth, so giving to, giving to God a return of our best affection and, and service. So this group that's assembled and that is uh, confessing to the Lord, um, they are doing that. Uh, and then at the end of their confession, um, in verses 47 and 48, they, they call out to the Lord and they say, Save us, O Lord, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed, to, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from the everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say amen and praise the Lord. Um, when they are calling out to the Lord, they're saying, save us, O God, and gather us from among the nations. They are finding their happiness in being a part of his people, that we want to give thanks and praise and glory to your holy name. They are um, wanting to return their affections and their service to him. Um, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say amen and praise the Lord. They are finding their happiness in their eternity. And they are finding happiness in their ways, uh, in, in the ways that he's given to them and in, in confessing their sins. So they are responding to their past faithfulness. They're re- responding to their past sinfulness and, and turning and making better. Um, they're making choices and deciding how to act based on the foundational truths that... Um, that are here at the, at the beginning, the reasons to praise God, the reasons to praise him for his character. 
application for us. I'll talk to these just a little bit. So where are you prone to forget God's goodness? So um, as we read through all of these um, instances and all of these um, situations of Israel's rebellion and unbelief, there's, there's some commonalities there amongst all of those uh, situations. There's a, uh, they're prone to worship idols. They um, are prone to be discontent with the provision that God has given them, food and water. Um, they're prone to um, rebel against the leadership that they've been given. So there, is, um, there are themes there. So for us, where are we prone to forget God's goodness? And in those places, and when we go into those situations, we most likely would, be, uh, would benefit from a reminder so that we respond in obedience rather than in rebellion. So that's one. Uh, number two, so is there unconfessed sin in your past that makes you disobedient in the present? So are, do we have anything in our past that we have failed to um, repent of and confess to the Lord? So a confession to another person maybe isn't um, necessary. If you've sinned against somebody, you should confess to them. Um, or if it's uh, something that you hope to have accountability in moving forward, confessing to a different person will be good as well. But confessing to the Lord um, your sin and um, getting right with him um, will kind of like we talked about earlier about um, having your, your emotion following your, your action. So the sorrow of the unconfessed sin um, will be replaced by happiness and contentment in him. And then um, final one, uh, incorporate praise of God into your uh, decisions and actions. I'll pray for us and then uh, Tyson will come sing and then uh, we'll go from there. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. Um, God, we thank you uh, for the uh, reminders that you have given us, um, reminders in your word, reminders in nature, reminders um, from each other in the church. Um, God, we are just uh, so thankful for your um, steadfast love that is unending. Uh, we're, thank you for, we're thankful for your character, um, your character and um, the ways that you've given us to live by. Um, God, we praise you for that. God, I just pray over our church, pray, pray over um, our ability to uh, remember you, to respond to difficult circumstances um, uh, in, um, in obedience um, rather than in rebellion. God, we love you and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.